Let's get into today's daf now. All right, so today's daf is daf Gimel, page three in Mesechta Tainus, and we are up to the word Tanya, uh, Brisa. This is the third line from the top of Gimel Amud Aleph. Okay. Now, let's get our heads back in the game. All right. Um, remind ourselves what what we're coming off of. So, we had a discussion. When do you start saying Mashavarach? Our Mishnah listed two opinions. We had the opinion of Rabbi Yezer, who says you start on day number one of Sukkot. You have the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua, who says you start on the last day of Sukkot. And most recently, at the bottom of Beis Amud Beis, we we were introduced to two new opinions. One opinion of Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra, who says you start on day two of Sukkot because of the Mem Yud Mem, right? Starts on day two, and we have the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. Um, who says that we start on day number six because the Yud of Mayim the, the, comes from the word Unusachecha, which is multiple pourings. So on six day, on, on the sixth day is the first mention of multiple pourings. Hence, you have the pouring of water and the pouring of wine. Okay, let's go. Tanya, we learned in a Brisa. We learned in the on the Mizbeach, you pour a Nesach Shechar, an alcoholic beverage, to Hashem. When it says Hasech Nesach, that is referring to two pourings. One is referring to the, the pouring of water. Another one's referring to the pouring of wine because it needs to be an alcoholic beverage. Says the Gemara, again, now let's notice. To pour a pouring seems to be redundant. So we're learning from here, there's two pourings, water and wine. And one of them, here's a premise, one of them is going to be alcoholic, capable of, of being intoxicated. Ask the Gemara, maybe it means two wine pourings. You haven't yet proved otherwise. Says the Gemara, no, if it would be referring to two wine pourings, the Pasuk should have written either to pour a pouring, keep the word consistent, to pour a pouring, to have poured a pouring. Why we change it? My hasech nesech. Why do we change the grammar on the two pourings? It's coming to teach us that the two pourings, are, they're supposed to be a change. Shamas mina, we learn out from here, chad One pouring is going to be water, and one pouring is going to be wine. Okay, fine. Period, let's take another pause. And again, remind ourselves, what are we dealing with here? We are dealing with a... Four opinion machlokas of, over when Mashivaruach should start. Okay? Opinion number one is Rebbe Liazar. You start as soon as Sukkah starts. The pouring of the water. Opinion number two is, let's call her Rebbe Ben Beseir. Which you start on day number two. Opinion number three is Rebbe Akiva. Start on day number six. Opinion number four is Rebbe Yeshua. The last day of Sukkah. Okay? Which, let's understand it right now to mean Shmini Yatseris. Says the Gemara. Okay. Let me learn a Mishnah with you. Let's all learn a Mishnah together. 
you pour water all seven days. Kolchim, money. Whose opinion states that there's seven days of wine pouring? In the four opinions that we mentioned, whose opinion is going to be seven wine, uh, water pouring? E Reb Yeshua. If it's the opinion of Reb Yeshua who says we start saying Mashavaruach on Shmini Atzeres, we're assuming right now the water pourings go hand in hand with Mashavaruach. So if Rabbi Yeshua says you start saying Mashavaruach on day eight, we're assuming right now he holds that you also start pouring on day eight. You do not perform it for seven days. E Rabbi Akiva, and if it's the opinion of Rabbi Akiva who says that you start saying Mashavaruach on day six, there's only two days of of um, the water port. And he reviewed about Mesera, who says you start on day number two. Shisayani, you have day two through day seven, which is six days. We, whose opinion is it that it's going to be seven days? Says the Gemara. It must be Laolam Rabbiuda ben Mesera. It must be Rabbiuda ben Mesera who says that you start on day two. I, if you start on day number two, so let's count how many days of pourings. Day two. Three, four, five, six, seven. That's only six days of pouring. How's it going to work? Says the Gemara, who's fear like Rebuta Damasnisen. He holds like Rebuta Ben Becerra of a different Mishnah, the Tanan. The Mishnah says, Rebuta Aimer, Rebuta says, The Kohanim would pour with a lug of water all eight days, okay, from day one through day eight. Umapik Rishon, and Rabbi Yudhav Mesera says, no, you don't pour from day one through day eight, you pour from day two through day eight. So now, Uma'ayel Shmini, we're now re-including day number eight in the seven-day counting. Let's pause and go through the math. Seven days of pouring, the Gemara now is explaining, can either be understood originally to be day one through day seven. And if that would be the seven days of pouring, we're bothered. Who is the author of that mission? Okay? Because, uh, who's the author of that mission? What the Gemara is now saying, no. Seven days of pouring is not day one through day seven. Seven days of pouring is actually day two through day eight. Now, if we're starting on day two and ending day eight, which is a seven-day span, Rabbi Yudav and Becerra is of the opinion that we start on day number two. Hence, he could be the author of the Mishnah. But now we have a little bit of a gap in our understanding because what needs to be understood now is why would Rabbi Yudah ben Becerra say that there's seven days of pouring, two through eight? Why logically would he exclude day one? Why would he? I mean, what, what's a chopped liver, right? What's wrong with day number one? He's not, he's not just deciding this opinion. So the Gemara is going to ask there's just this basic logical question. Why would Rabbi Yudhav Ben say that we have the wine pouring, we have the water pouring on day two through eight? What happened to day one? So the Gemara explains, we'll tell you why. Because when do the letters mem yud mem, those extra letters, what day did we have the extra mem start? Right? Remember, we had the word hem on day number two. So all of a sudden, instead of Veniska, it says Veniska hem, the letter mem. 
for the for, for the letter of Mayim, that starts day number two. Shmini Nami says the Gemara, but if you're going to exclude day number one because Mayim started, well, guess what day Mayim stopped being hinted to, right? What were the extra letters of Mem Yud Mem? On day two was Mem, day six was Yud, day seven was Mem. On day number eight, there's no longer a hint to Mayim. Ki Ramizi Mayim Bishvi Hu Ramizi. Okay, on the the it ends on day number seven. So the Gemara is now saying, whoa, 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 we're now stuck again. Let's pause again. Let's explain this. We tried saying Rebut Vemisera is the one who says you pour water all seven days. And the seven days are going to be when? Day two through day eight. The Gemara says, one second. Why would I exclude day one? Because the word Mayim is not hinted to? Well, guess what? The hint stopped on day seven. So even day eight, there shouldn't be a pouring according to him. Hence, we're back to square one. Rabbi Yehuda ben Maseira is not going to be the author who says you go two through eight. The Gemara says like this. Ella, rather you know who says that there's seven days of pouring. We're going to move on to the next time. Ella, Rabbi Yeshua, he, the time is going to be Rabbi Yehoshua. Who was Rabbi Yeshua? Rabbi Yeshua says you start saying Masha Baruch on day eight. And the Gemara is going to say, very simply, V'nisa chamayim kol shiva gemirila. It's two different halachas. Meaning, you start saying Masha Baruch on day 8 because we don't want to mention water on Sukkot. We don't want it to rain. But the actual pourings is halach l'mayshim yisinai. It's two it's a separate thing. You can actually start saying Masha Baruch on day 8 and have a halach l'mayshim yisinai, a tradition passed down from Moshe Rabbeinu Ed Har Sinai, stating to pour water for, for uh, seven days. All seven days. Day 1 through day 7. Now, how do we know that the water pourings are not learned out logically, rather it's through tradition. Ravami says in the name of the name of from the We've had this earlier, right? We had this previously in previous Masechtas. When you have 10 young trees in a field, that you're allowed to keep watering them all the way up until Shemitah. You don't need to stop 30 days before. You keep going, because otherwise they're going to they're, they're gonna die out. Okay, um, you're allowed to uh, keep working, and also the law of Arabas, the law of leaning the Arabas in the base Hamikdash, Venisa Hamayim, and the laws of Nisa Hamayim in the base Hamikdash, Halacha Lemaisha Misinai, is all a Halacha Lemaisha Misinai. Period. End of that. Um, end of that. Brisa and the potential interpretation on that Brisa. I think the Gemara here is bringing out a very uh, important message. Bringing out a very important message in how we as Yidin live. Okay? Because it's, isn't it fascinating that before we got onto the, the answer of, it's Allah it's something that we accept, passed down from Aisha, we do whatever we can to make a svara, to, to understand. Right? It's interesting in the Hebrew language. The word ta'am, which means flavor, and the word taima, which means reason, are connected. Because when you find a reason for something, it adds flavor. It makes it more, it makes it more personal. It makes it not only enjoyable, but more personal. And it's such a beautiful, such a beautiful message that the Gemara is giving to us. And that is, we have a statement of a brisa. We do our best to like, you know, 
how do I personalize this? How do I make this personal? How do I find the logic within it? But ultimately, the way it works is that as Yidin, we ask and we ask and we ask, but ultimately we know, even if we can't fathom every answer, we know there are answers. We know there's good answers. Over here, the answer is, Maishu Rabbeinu taught us. That's it. Once we tried going through those steps, and this is at a certain point, a Yid, what do we do? We, sh- we ask, we ask, we ask, but within that asking, there's a humility. There's humility knowing. There's no way to, to as human beings, know ultimately the, 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 the reasoning behind everything. What's the ultimate answer here in this particular case? Halachu Meshmisi. All right. Weiter. The one, the one davening for the Amud. On Shmini Atzeres, Ha'achrain, the one, the Baal Musaf, one who leads Musaf Maskir. He mentions Mashavaruach, which is what we do. Harishain ain't a Maskir. The Baal Shachris does not mention Mashavaruach. Beyond the Bishan Shal Pesach. And when we stop saying Mashavaruach, which is the first day of Pesach, Harishain Maskir, then we mention Mashavaruach in Shachris by the first Shliach Tibor. But ha'acharon eno masker. We do. We no longer recite mashavaruach umayrid agoshem by the uh, by musaf on the first day of Pesach. Okay. So again, we start saying mashavaruach by musaf of shmini Ateres, and we end saying mashavaruach by shachris on the first day of Pesach. Says the Gemara. Hey, Reb Yeshua, where did Reb Yehuda get this from? Reb Yeshua's opinion. Okay. Now. We know Rabbi Yeshua's opinion in our mission. We have one opinion of Rabbi Yeshua. What did Rabbi Yeshua in our Mishnah say? Rabbi Yeshua in our Mishnah said that on the last day of Sukkot, you start saying Mashavaruch. Did he make a discrepancy between Shachris and Musaf? Did he mention that? No. He didn't mention that. Sigmar is bothered. Rabbi Yehuda is quoting Rabbi Yeshua to, to say, we start saying Mashavaruch by Musaf. Hey, Rabbi Yeshua. Which Rabbi Yeshua said this? If we're talking about the Rabbi Yeshua and our Mishnah, Rabbi Shua seems to imply both the entire day on the last day of Sukkot, we're already saying Mashavaruach. He doesn't make a discrepancy between Shachris and Musaf. So it can't be Rabbi Yeshua of our Mishnah. It can't be based on that statement. It must be, it's going on Rabbi Yeshua and the Brisa that we learned yesterday who says that Ha'amar B'Shas Hanachasai he says, you start saying Mashavaruach on the day on, after you put Lulav down. Once you put down your Lulav, now you're saying Mashavaruach. Either way, there's no difference between Shachris and Musaf. So the Gemara now is bothered, we'll call it a question on Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda is quoting Rabbi Yeshua to say, we start saying Mashavaruach at Musaf. Ask the Gemara. Rabbi Yehuda and our Mishnah didn't say that, and Rabbi Yehuda and the Brisa didn't say that. So where are you getting that from? Vesu. And furthermore. Hadatanya, we learned in Ebraisa, Rabbi Yehuda Aymer Mishum Ben Besera. Rabbi Yehuda says in the name of somebody by the name of son of Yesera. You see that Rabbi Yehuda asked the Gemara, Rabbi Yehuda is not quoting Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yehuda elsewhere quotes Ben Becerra. So we're very bothered. First of all, it says Rabbi Yehuda in the name of Rabbi Yeshua. Which Rabbi Yeshua? It's not Rabbi Yeshua in our Mishnah. And it's not Rabbi Yeshua the Brizah. And question number three is, 
Rabbi Yehuda elsewhere says that this whole halacha of starting on Musuf is from Ben Becerra, not Rabbi Yeshua. So make up your mind, Rabbi Yehuda. To this, the Gemara gives one answer for all three questions. And says the Gemara, Hey Ben Becerra, let me tell you who Ben Becerra is. Elaim Rabbi Yehuda Ben Becerra. It's not Rabbi Yehuda Ben Becerra. Because Omar B'Sheni Mechagamaz. Rabbi Yehuda Ben Becerra says, second day of Sukkot is when he starts saying Masha Baruch. Okay? So the, um, Ha Omar B'Shin B'Chagu Mazkin. So Omar B'Shin B'Chagu Mazkin. So Omar B'Shin B'Chagu explains to Hey B'Rebbe Yeshua Ben B'Seira. Rebbe Yehuda is quoting a Tana by the name of Rebbe Yeshua Ben B'Seira. So like this. Well, all of a sudden our questions are all answered. Because we said, where's Rebbe Yeshua say a statement that you start at Musa? It's not the mission, not the Brisa. You know what the answer is? It's the other Brisa where he quotes Ben Becerra. Rabbi Yeshua is, is qualifying his statement. He says, you know when I say on the last day to say Masha Baruch? By Musaf. And as far as the question of why elsewhere is he quoting Ben Becerra, the answer is Ben Becerra is Rabbi Yeshua. Okay, that's really what we're saying here. The answer to all three questions is Rabbi Yeshua is Ben Becerra, and therefore we do have a Brisa stating to start by Musaf. But now, what's the obvious question? Why some places is, are we calling him Rabbi Yeshua, and other places you call him Ben Becerra? Why do we keep changing his name? For confusion? He works for the NSA? Yeah. What's, uh, well, what's the issue over here? Why, why are we giving him different names? The Gemara says something beautiful. Zimnin dekarile bishmei. Sometimes Rabbi Yehuda called him by his own personal na- name. And sometimes he calls him by his father's name. Why? Before Rabbi Yeshua got smicha, he was called Ben Becerra. Why? Because he didn't have enough clout to stand on his own for his opinions. So everything that, that, that he was teaching us, we said, you know where he got that from? the home that he was raised in, his great father that he had. He was called Ben Becerra. But once he got smicha, he now stands with his own name. Okay? There's the Havdil, so to speak. There's nothing to do with me. But my mother, Zechariah Lavracha, who I just had her yard site this past Shabbos, she was married to my father. My father was the, uh, you know, the, the head of the high school in uh, near Israel in Baltimore. So she would quit. She said when she got married... She was Rabbi Temler's daughter-in-law. And then they moved to Baltimore and she became Rabbi Temler's wife. And then her kids got older. She became Rabbi Temler's father. And then she became Rabbi Temler's grandfather. Right? And that was all. She's like, I don't know. She's like, I don't know. Every time they talk to me, like, I don't know, like, you know, who they're referring to, what's going on. But like, you know, she's like, she, she would quip that my yichas keeps changing depending on who knows who. Right? That's what we're saying in this Gemara. Like at a certain point of his life, he was referred to as Ben Becerra. And then at a different point of his life, he was called Reb Yeshua. Depending on when he said that statement, that's how we're going to refer to him. Okay. Tana, we learned in a price. Okay. Listen to this. This is fascinating. You know what? Let's give an introduction. Before Tana, let's pause. Let's schmooze. Until now, we've been talking about rain. All right? Now. I would say the, you know, besides for the 
creation of the world, Parshas Bracious, where there's certainly a big emphasis on the growth of produce. There's a Parsha towards the end of the Torah, Parshas Ha'azinu. Parshas Ha'azinu, it's a song, second to last Parsha in the Torah. Beautiful song from Maisha Rabbeinu. And it talks about how the Torah is compared to rain. Sometimes the Torah is rain, sometimes the Torah is tal, sometimes it's compared to dew. We also find the wind has an impact. By the way, there's a beautiful, beautiful idea I want to share. Beautiful from the Chazanish. This is a fascinating thing. He says, you know, the Torah is compared to rain. Why? Because rain is not always good. He says, Torah is not always good. This is very, this is very, very deep. Hold on to this. This is precious. If rain falls on poisonous seeds, what's going to grow? Poison. If rain falls on good seeds, what's going to grow? Vegetation. Things that are needed to, for new, to, to keep the world going. The reason why the terror is compared to rain is because depending on the seeds in a person, that's what's going to grow. If, God forbid, the seeds inside of us are rotten, what we'll call a person is, unfortunately, a J-E-R-K. person doesn't have good midas. A bad person, you know, a person is not a mensch, as we say in our language, right? Not an erlich person. We're not menschlich. But we, 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 we go into the study of Torah. Says the Chazanish, you know what can happen? The Torah information that you learn can actually be detrimental. It could be detrimental. Because what's going to grow is rotten things. Now, you know where you're going to be? You're going to be a bad person that's knowledgeable in Torah. And that's scary. It's a very scary thing. Because, as we, as we all know, it's not, if you have an agenda, it's not hard to find a Dvar Torah to back yourself up. It's not hard. You can go look, read through a Pasuk and say, oh, see, look, I'm right. If a person has a, a personal agenda, you can extrapolate any drusha we want. Chazanish says, it's very important. This is why Derech Eretz Kadma La This is why Derech Eretz comes before Tyra. To be a mensch comes before Tyra. Because before we even start with Tyra, we have to make sure that the rain that the Torah is, is landing on good seeds. We're good people. We're Erlicha people. We have good Midas, good traits. And then the, the Geshem, the rain that falls, is going to positively impact us. And we'll grow good. We'll grow MS. We'll make the world... We'll, we'll, we'll make the world a productive place as as opposed to a, as opposed to a place of poison. But let's get it back into the Gemara. There's there's Geshem, which has been the focus, the rain. There's also Tal, there's also dew, and there's Ruach, there's winds that have an impact. The Gemara from here till the end of the Daf is going to focus on these three things. When we say Mashiv Haruach Umayrid Hagoshem. Interestingly, we're mentioning the wind, but what's the main thing that we've been focusing on? The rain. Why? So this Gemara is going to explain why. Let's get going. Tana, we learned in Ebrahisa, When we say you got to mention you know what the main thing is? Geshem. You don't, know, you don't need to mention Ruach. Okay. So if somebody were to say in Shmon Esrei, 
Mechalko Chaim Bechesed before Mechalko Chaim. Ato Gibor the Oilam Hashem. Mechaim Mesim Ato Ravlo Heishia. Moirid Hagoshem. If you say that, you got your mitzvah. You don't need to mention Mashib Haruach. You don't have to actually mention the rain. That's what the Bryson says. The Imbala Haskir, but if you want to do that, Maskir. Good. Okay? You could do it. My time. Why is it that it's crucial to mention the rain, but it's not crucial to mention the wind? It's not crucial to mention the dew. Nusuch Ashkenaz, we don't say the same tal. Nusuch Svar says the same tal. Right? Why is that? My time. Omer of Chanina Lafisha Listen to this, it's beautiful. Wind and dew are constant. It's part of nature. It never stops. The world cannot exist without wind and dew. And therefore, the prayer, the mention, is, must be done by something that may not be there. The Geshem, the rain, may not come, and therefore it is crucial that we mention it. But wind and dew was always going to exist. Says the Gemara, really? Let's get into this. And we're getting, getting into a fascinating story as well. The Talmud on Blamiatsar proved to me that there's constant dew. The prophet from Tishbi. Um, um, who lived in Gilad. He said to the wicked Achav, Chai Hashem, I swear by Hashem's name, I stand in front of Hashem. You are turning, you're turning Klaistral to sinners. And I'm promising you, if this continues, what's going to happen is there will be no dew or rain. Uksiv, and what happened later is, Elio comes back, it stopped. But Elio came back and he said, Lecher al Achav. Go back. Hashem tells Elio, go tell Achav, there's going to be rain. Why didn't Hashem say, go tell Achav, there's going to be dew? There's no mention of dew when he goes back. My timing, you know why? He says the Gemara, because dew never stops. The dew never stopped. And therefore, Hashem didn't tell him anything about dew. Okay? Top of, we're now on top of Gimel Amadeus. But what are we going to ask now? One second. So why did Elio threaten it's going to stop? When Elio threatened Achav, he said, there's not going to be any rain, there's not going to be any dew. And now he's going back and saying, oh, by the way, you saw the rain stopped. Now it's going to restart. But the dew was there the whole time. So isn't Elio uh, not consistent? Yeah? It seems that his original threat of the dew stopping didn't pan out. If the dew never ended, Elio atishbui lomali. Why do Elio swear in God's name that there's not going to be any dew? Says the Gemara, Hachi Listen to this. This is fascinating. Afilu tal Dew there's always going to be, but the blessing that comes from dew stopped. Says the Gemara. Okay. Well, if it stopped, Why didn't he go back to Achav and tell him there'll be rain and blessing dew? Gemara answers, Mishum Milsa. Achav was not keen enough to understand the difference between blessing do and not blessing do. 
All right? And therefore, as far as Yaakov was concerned, the dew was due. That never stopped. So for Eliyahu to mention it when he goes back, Yaakov's going to be like, one second. You're going to tell me there's going to be a rain? But, but, but the never, the dew, what about the, the dew? The dew, I've always had dew. What are you talking about? And therefore, Eliyahu just left it out when he went back, period. Bottom line is, what you see from the story is there's always dew. You may not get the blessing from dew, but there's dew consistently. And therefore, it's not ma'akev, it's not, it's not ma'akev you're davening if you don't mention Mayrid Hatol. Okay. Now, we understand that rain needs to be mentioned. We just proved that dew does not need to be mentioned because it is constant. We also said that wind does not need to be mentioned because it's constant. Prove it. Now we're going to try to prove the wind. Here we go. Ruk Vesmeon Dulami Yatshe. Hey, you know that wind never stops from the world. Amr Yishuv Alevi, Yishuv Alevi says, Dama Kroh Shteten Pasuk. Like the four directions of the heaven, Baruch says, I've spread out Klal Yisrael like the spreading out of the heavens. What is HaKadosh Baruch telling Klal Yisrael? Listen to these holy words. If you think that Hashem is telling Klal Yisrael, that I have spread you out, what does it mean, like the four corners? Okay, what does it mean? I spread you, uh, it should say, it says, into the four corners. Rather, this is what Hashem says. The same way the world will always have wind, so too. There will always be a Jewish people. Yes, we're going to be small in number, which we've always been throughout the millennia. But there will always be a Klal Yisrael. The same, and what's Hashem's promise there will always be a Klal Yisrael? Like the wind. So you see from that promise, the winds are always going to be in existence. The same way there's always Jewish people, in the, the same way, as Hashem says, the same way there's always winds in existence, there's always going to be a Klal Yisrael. Okay? So you see from here, again, there's, it's not ma'akev, it's not essential to mention wind and dew. If you, if you could, good, fine, gesundte hate, you're welcome to mention it. But it's the rain, which is not the constant, that must be re- mentioned in its proper season. Amr of says, Hilkach, therefore, be ma'isachama, in the days of the sun, meaning in the summer months, Amar mashiv haruach, if somebody says, we do not make him repeat Shmaina Esrei. You know why? Because he mentioned wind, and there's always wind. However, let's say somebody says, You can keep going. However, if a person says, and the rain shall fall, which is in the wrong season. We don't want rain in that season in Israel. Then, Machzir and I say, you need to go back and restart. We might say, Shamim in the winter months, in the rainy season. If he doesn't say, we don't need to go back. However, what's crucial is that you say, nowadays. You need to say, what if I left out the first part of the statement? I say, that's fine. You can keep going. 
and not only that, If a person a person says Hashem, who moves the wind and makes the, the dew go away, you do not need to go back. You know why? Because all you're doing is is adding in foolish words. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything. That statement means nothing. With it built into the very nature of the world is the constant dew and the constant wind. Now the Gemara is going to take us on a scientific journey on various types of wind and type, you know, which winds are good, which winds are not good. Here we go. Tell me we learned in the Brisa. The Chachamim say, you're not obligated to mention do and you're not obligated to, uh, to mention wind. The Imbola Haskir, if you want to, Maskir. You're welcome to do so. My time, a wime, because they never stop. Says the Gemara, is that true? You're going to tell me that the clouds and the winds never stopped, really? But listen to this. taught us. We say in Kriyashma, if you don't follow in the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what will Hashem do? Hashem will stop up the heavens. Rabbi Yosef explains that to me. Hashem will stop the clouds and the winds. One second. Didn't we just say it never stops? Maybe it means Hashem is going to hold up the uh, Maybe it just means Hashem is going to hold up the rain. How do you know it means wind? And uh, uh, wind and clouds. The other puzzle, the puzzle, right? It continues the Torah. And it says there also won't be rain. So we know the, the, the issue of rain. If we don't follow in Hashem's ways, we know there'll be a drought. So when it says Hashem stops up the heavens, so we have a question. The Gomorrah are now going to articulate the question. First, we said there's always wind. And now the Torah seems to be implying, at least according to Rabbi Yosef's view, that winds can stop if we sin. And kasha avim avim. We said that the clouds never stop. But Rabbi Yosef seems to be implying with our sins, the clouds do stop. This is the question. Answers the Gemara. Avim avim lo kasha. There's no, don't be bothered about the cloud question. You know why? There's different types of clouds. Ha becharfei, ha Okay, listen to this. What we'll call rain clouds, right? Sometimes you look up and you see clouds in the sky. You're like, oh, it looks like it's going to rain. Those types of clouds are always going to exist. Doesn't mean they're going to bring rain, but those types of clouds, will, there will always be. However, there are other clouds that come after the rain. Okay? So the ones that come after the rain... Those might stop. Ruchos are ruchos like Kasha, and we'll also say, what do you mean that some winds will stop? A standard wind, referring to like a breeze on a normal day, that's going to be constant. That will never stop. It's built into creation. Hashem built it in. It's going to keep going. But ruach very strong winds that are not that are not regular. They're not ordinary. Those will stop. If, God forbid, we do not uh, follow in the ways of HaKadosh Baruch. Ruach Sheinu Metsuya Chazio Lebeidari says the Gemara, um, but a, a Ruach Sheinu Metsuya, which we said could stop an abnormal wind, which may stop due to our sins, it's not automatic, are needed 
to separate chaff. Needed to separate chaff. So the Gemara is saying, now that we've established that there's a wind which is not automatic, same as rain, why aren't we mentioning it in the Shemona Esrei? Why isn't it crucial to mention this? Because it's needed. The same way rain is not automatic but needed, so we need to, we need to say it. The abnormal wind which is needed to separate the chaff so we can have food, bread. Why isn't it integral that we mention it in Shemona Esrei? We should be praying, mentioning, praying for this. Says the Gemara, because Efshar binaf masa. That's why. <laughs> because there's other ways to separate chef. You don't need. A strong wind is helpful. But you know what else you could do? Turn on a fan. You know what else you could do? You could blow hard with your mouth. You know what else you could do? You could use a sifter. You could sift things through and separate chef. Therefore, it's not integral. Hence, there's no obligation to mention it, period. Okay. Fascinating statement of the Brisa. Listen to this. The Brisa says that rain is the most beneficial to the world. The clouds and the winds are like the baby brother. The baby brother to the rain. Rain has the greatest impact. The clouds and the wind are like second fiddle. What are we talking about? It's talking about wind and clouds that come once it rains. Okay? Once it rains, the way it works is the actual rain had the greatest impact. And then to have the additional clouds and the winds that come following a rainstorm, uh, a, a downpour, those are secondary to it. They're good to have. It's helpful for the growth. But if it doesn't, okay. Lememra de Malyusahi says the Gemara. Do you mean to say um, that wind anyway after rain is good? Hashem's going to make it rain. Hashem's going to make the the rain dust and dirt. You know what he says? It's referring to wind that comes after it rains, which seems to be a bad thing. That once it rains, we don't want wind to come and move around the dirt. So why are we saying that it's almost that the wind after the rain is almost as good as rain? From here, it seems to imply it's preferable to not have it at all. Says the Gemara, Lokasha. There's no question. It depends how it rained. If it rained, nicha, from the word noach, it rained pleasantly, calmly. So then, um, so then, um, it is, uh, once you have a, a gentle rain, it's positive to have, to have the wind. But if it comes down with razio, with, with trembling, with a lot of force, Hadamalya Avak, one's talking about where there's a lot of dirt that comes up, Hadalaimalya Avak, the other one's talking about where there's where, where it's not gonna raise uh, it's not gonna raise up a storm. Period. Okay, let's just explain outside what we just said. What's what, what's the Gemara explaining? It depends on the wind. If it's a very if if it's a, a wind that's coming after a strong rain, that wind is gonna raise up all the dirt and and the and the, it's gonna it's not gonna be good for the crops. However, if you had a gentle rain, then for the wind to come afterwards is not going to, the rain fell properly, everything fell appropriately, it fell gently, and the winds that come afterwards are not going to mess up the seeds and the planting. The Yomar Rabbi Yudah says, Zika de basar mitra kimitra. Wind that comes after rain is as beneficial as the rain itself. Eva de basar mitra kimitra. And also clouds that come after a rainstorm are 
are as good, as beneficial as the clouds itself. Says the Gemara, okay. What is this coming to exclude as opposed to what? The Gemara explains. Okay? This is excluding Gilhi Delelia, which is like uh, heat lightning. Okay? And sun that shines through the clouds. Okay? Very often following a rainstorm, you'll still have cloudy skies, but you'll have the you know the the sun that comes to shine uh, that comes to shine through those things are not as beneficial as the rain when we say the wind and the clouds are as beneficial as rain the one said what do you, as opposed to what else like what, what what else would i think is as beneficial and really isn't you're talking about these these uh, night lightning and also when sunlight peeks through the clouds omar rubber says Maili talga liture, Maila, it is a positive, it's a pro to have snow on a mountain. Snow on a mountain is as beneficial to the mountain as five rainfalls on lower ground. Okay? As it says in the Pasuk, in Eoiv, Kilasheleg Yoimar, to the snow you should say, Heve Eretz. You should be down on the ground. And you have the 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 rain of of dew, and the the stronger rains. These are five different types of rains and and wetnesses that we're mentioning. So you see over here it says kila sheleg to the snow. You should say geshem motor geshem uzai. So we have five mentionings of rain equal to one mentioning of snow. The Amarava and Rava says, Talga Laturig, snow is good for mountains. Mitra Razia Ilane, strong rains are the best for fully grown trees. Mitra Neche Lepere, that's for the growth of the tree itself. However, softer rains are the best types of rains for produce to grow, top of Daftalid Amad Aleph, or Pila, and the lighter rains. Afilu even to a, a uh, light seed, Kala Mahanyale. It's even for seeds that are underneath tough clumps of earth. Says the Gemara, what, what is Orphila? What, what are we talking about over here, right? To, to talk about the um, tree itself and to talk about the fruits, we get it. But what does it mean to a seed that's underneath a tough, a strong, you know, a, a, a light rain? is good for a seed that's stuck underneath a clump of earth. What does that mean? My orpila, what does it mean, orpila? It's from a combination of the words. I believe that the word in English is an acronym. It's an acronym of the words, uru pili. Wake up the pili, wake up the cracks, okay? So whenever you have a light rain and dried out earth, which, which start to receive tr- uh, cracks in it, that's when... This light rain is beneficial. It's it's not gentle. It doesn't come doesn't come down like a mist. It's a little harder. Hence, it can go all the way through the cracks and get those uh, seeds that otherwise would have been more difficult to get to. Okay, and Bezrem um, tomorrow we will pick up from the Amarava on the second line. We're going to come out with a beautiful limud, a beautiful learning of these seeds underneath the earth, and we'll pick up from here. Tomorrow evening, the Ezra Sashem, same time, 5.30. Ezra Hashem, hopefully from Yerushalayim. Hopefully we'll all be together. Have a wonderful, wonderful night.